Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks from Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Annapolis. You know, I had a little bit of a health issue lately and I lost a lot of weight, almost like 60 pounds. Now, some of that was on purpose. Some of that was from the hospital stay, uh, but I had to get some new clothes. And so guess where I'm going? That's right. I'm going to Leon Tailoring because Larry, Norm, Kim and Judy, they've taken my measurements for years and the measurements have dropped a little bit. And so they'll take care of me just like they'll take care of you. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. Don't tell me you lost weight. They'll be able to tell if you have or not. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, believe it or not, folks, a couple of legislative hearings have gotten underway, a uh, task force on health care costs in Indiana and also uh, limiting the state income tax. So to talk about all this fun stuff is a good friend, Ball State economist Michael Hicks. Michael, my friend, uh, always good to chat with you. How you been, my friend? Tom, very good. Had a good summer. Glad to be back and talking with these issues with you. All right. Great. Well, let's start uh, with the health care uh, uh, task force that met uh, earlier this week. Uh, it was in, created by House and Road Act 1004 during the last session. Look at Indiana's health care costs compared to other states, reducing health care costs with the goal of ensuring that any cost reductions reach the health care payer, and a couple other things. Uh, overall, uh, how do Indiana's health care costs rate with the rest of the country? Well, it depends on what area you're looking at. If you're looking at hospital costs, we're third nationally uh, on a per-person basis. We're talking about private sector spending on that. If you look at doctor's costs, we drop down about six or seven in the highest in the country and outpatient services were pretty high some of our markets are brutally high uh, fort wayne and parkview health have got the attention of the national media new york times because it's the worst market in the state other places central indiana indianapolis areas are a little bit less monopolized so prices are, are lower they're still three four hundred percent of the medicaid cost which puts us as a state right at the very right near the top nationwide because i want to say uh the other gentleman who testified at, at the hearing earlier, earlier this week uh basically said that hey yes indiana it, they may be high but the costs are average what what, what does that mean in the healthcare universe right it's a bit of a smoke and mirrors if you look at uh medicaid and medicare spending those bring every most states are getting about the average we're poor so we're getting a little bit more so what that means if you look at all the the money that goes into our health care system we look closer to national average because we're heavy in the medicaid medicare range if you look at what our private payers are paying that's the businesses that offer their employees insurance and those of us who are employees or if we bought our own health plan somewhere uh, our costs are way out of whack so that's that's just not a factual claim in terms of our private sector health care costs now no one of the big issues that has popped up in this health care discussion here in the end has been the issue of quote-unquote monopolies saying that uh, hospitals have have monopolies that uh, lower some competition is a monopoly would it be considered more like a regulated monopoly what's what's going on there Right. So the way economists define monopolization is that it's really a departure from from competition. Like we're, most markets that we buy and sell things in are reasonably competitive. And so the prices are going to be pretty similar in the same region. Uh, you go to grocery stores, the price of eggs are going to be reasonably reasonably similar. And there may be sales. They may from day to day do differ, but they're not going to vary a lot because if it's cheaper someplace, people will go to the cheaper place. Um, and so in healthcare, there's a lot of variation in prices, and they tend not to correlate with, as you might think, you know, cities aren't more expensive. It's actually cheaper in Indianapolis 
And the reason for that is competition. So if it were more expensive in Indianapolis, you could say, well, the land's more expensive and it's harder to get docks here. It's really a matter of the degree of of fewness of businesses, and that's what's driving the higher prices. And in Indiana, we want we went through a big wave over the past 10, 12 years in in hospitals, these big five systems buying other hospitals, so that there are monopolies all around the state where consumers have very little choice with what healthcare provider they can go to. Now, it's interesting you bring that up because I remember uh, a while back, uh, this was like, oh, God, uh, maybe like 10 years ago, I think, when my wife was in a car accident, she ended up breaking her wrist. And so we, we got her taken care of. But I just sort of called around just to sort of see, like, how much would it cost to fix a broken wrist? Like, here's a wrist, here's a broken wrist, and, and no other complications, and nobody could tell me how much anything would cost. Right. I always think it's good to make the point that one of the ways economists use to detect this behavior of monopolization is in the transparency of prices. So um, the more competitive a market, the more the prices are going to be obvious to you. So uh, Netflix and the hospitals will claim that, oh, healthcare is really complex nonsense. Um, compared to, for example, uh, you know, a Netflix account that's got satellites and telecommunications providers on the ground that are regulated by states and other authorities there's international rules about satellites. You got language, you know, different pr- producers of content all over the globe. They're owned by different people. These are very complex interactions. Yet you want to know how much Netflix is a month? You just look on the internet and you find it. Compared to a knee uh, replacement, it's uh, which is, involves, you know, a half dozen or a dozen people, a few pieces of equipment, uh, a little bit of medicants. In a day or two in the hospital, Netflix is infinitely more complex, and yet you know exactly what the price is. Or a car. You want to buy a car? There's 30,000 different parts in the car have been produced in 50 countries, cross borders, some of them three or four times. All of those regulated differently with different labor rules, the whole nine yards. And yet you want to go buy a car, you can get a pretty good price, a pretty good idea how much a Honda costs. So this is the complexity in pricing is mostly smoke and mirrors, and it benefits the hospitals and the healthcare providers uh, because the less you know about it, the less likely you are to be able to take advantage of, of, of price, you know, hunting down a cheaper price, which is the comp- competitive effect that they don't want to happen. Our guest on the program today is our good friend Michael Hicks, Ball State Economist, talking about health care costs and some other uh, fiscal issues facing the state of Indiana. Uh, Mike, one, one of the other things uh, that I thought was interesting uh, in, the, in the overall presentation, and just to let folks know, there going to be uh, a couple other hearings between now and uh, November, uh, is health care costs. Uh, for example, insurance. Some folks say that it's insurance companies that are driving up health care costs. You don't necessarily agree with that. No, there's no evidence of that. Look, we all hate insurance companies, and the reason we hate them is because they're trying to keep health care costs low. So they don't reimburse for things that are outside of an area. If the price is too high, they don't do that. And then the, the medical company, the hospital, comes after us. So that's why we hate insurance companies. The administrative cost of managing insurance, that's going to be borne by the hospitals anyway, just collecting payments. So that's uh, that's nonsense to suppose that there's – that hospital insurance companies are particularly bad compared to hospitals in that. And the, 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 the idea is really that the biggest profits for a insurance company comes in a place that has low health care prices. And the reason for that is they can squeeze out more profit. And what I showed yesterday was that in Indiana, the 
you know, the U.S. government actually captures this data. You don't have to get into all the reimbursement terms and learn all the different things about individual negotiations. You can just see how much do Hoosiers spend on insurers and then how much. So that's premiums, both both paid by the business and the insured, minus the benefits that are going out to uh, going out to providers. And the answer is that we're that gap between the the benefit the premiums minus the benefits is about forty percent of the national average. So the average Hoosier Hoosier is paying less than half of what the average American is for that for using that insurance company. And so that's not driving the higher prices. What's driving the higher prices is the lack of competitive capacity in hospitals. They are monopolized. And one of the points I tried to make in my talk yesterday is it's getting worse because hospitals are super monopolized. And you can see how much more I I gave graphics, how much more this the cost was for uh, individual Hoosiers in markets that are not monopolized, like in dental care, we pay the national average on ambulance services. We're under the national average on home or on um, nursing home services. We're a little bit above the national average because we're a little bit older population, but, but those prices have been dropping in the last 10 years. And the, the most damning element of this is that hospitals are now reaching out and buying physicians' practices. That's called vertical foreclosure. And, and 10 years ago, we were right at the national average with how much we were spending for doctors. 20 years ago, we were below the national average. We're now much above the national average. Same thing's now beginning to happen in outpatient services, and that's because these hospital systems are buying up clinics, they're buying up physicians because that keeps out any competition that might lessen or weaken their ability to keep prices high. That's the painful thing that faces us is this is getting worse, not better. Our guest on the program today is our good friend, uh, Mike Hicks of Ball State University Economist, talking about some of the big uh, fiscal issues facing the state of Indiana. Uh, Mike, another uh, task force here they had uh, this past week uh, was on uh, getting rid of the state income tax. Uh, is that something workable? Is that something that's feasible? Yeah, it's always feasible to cut a tax. But there's always a price to be paid to do so. So, yeah, if we and and a dubious benefit, frankly. So we could cut the we could eliminate the income tax. That's perfectly feasible. If it's revenue neutral, and we don't change anything about the sales tax, then we're talking about a thirteen or fourteen cents uh, on uh, sales tax up from seven cents. And it could be a little bit higher. And, and the reason is is that as taxes go up, people start diverting they start shopping online or shopping in other towns or cities so it's uh it, it, that that's not a certainty yet so that's a that's a pretty high number tennessee has done that um but again they're they have to divert those taxes elsewhere but here in indiana one of the considerations is that you if you eliminate income tax what are you trying to accomplish with that because if you eliminate the state income tax you still have local option income taxes around the state. So it's not clear to me what the end goal of eliminating a tax might be. And I think that will become clearer as time goes by. Hasn't Indiana already lowered its income taxes like from like, what, 3.9% to almost like 3.2% or some the rates in the, in the low 3 percentage points? Yeah, so well, not only that, but overall, Indiana is one of the lowest tax data. I think we're sixth lowest tax for consumers in the country. We're a very low tax state right now, and it shows. 
in our public health spending. It shows in our roads. It shows in our schooling. Um, but uh, the, you know, I wouldn't. I don't dismiss the desire to eliminate a particular tax. There's reasons it would reduce the compliance costs for businesses. It potentially could reduce the administrative costs for government for maintaining an income tax. The challenge is that. Um, you're going to have to raise taxes in somewhere else to get anywhere near uh, neutral, you know, revenue neutral. And if, I think right now it's a fair. There's a there's a much better argument that Indiana is uh, has a problem with the quality of their public services rather than. Uh, uh, too high taxes in terms of its effect on growth. And it's also interesting too because always uh, never been a big fan of income taxes. We've always been a big fan of sales taxes, but also uh, sales tax on, on, on products, but also sales tax on services. If you're going to get rid of the income tax, fine, but you but the, you got to make up the money somewhere. It's like a balloon. You, you squeeze the water one place, it's got to go somewhere else. Right. As soon as we start seeing the different uh, models being run about the effects, I think it'll be... Uh, I think we're going to confront reality that this is much harder than it seems. I mean, again, I've written that it is very possible to do so, but you're talking about me. Yeah, I can get 13, 40% sales tax, perhaps, uh, or a dr- drastic reduction in services, which I think is already, again, I make the argument that Indiana's economy is being slowed by poor quality of public services rather than too high a taxes. And it stands to reason, you know, when you're ranking 42nd in education and 41st in health care, um, you're, you're in the bottom third of road quality. Um, you're the 49th most polluted state. Those are all outcomes of public services. We rank, you know, like sixth in overall taxation of, of households eighth on businesses and on manufacturing, we're the fourth best state in terms of taxes. So it just raises this law of diminishing returns. How much more benefit do you get from cutting taxes, which always makes people happy and uh, relative to uh, increasing the quality of public services. So it's a it's a challenging option out there. And I, I think as 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 the commission, I'm glad, I'm proud that they're looking at it. But as the commission goes down the road, I think you're going to see that doing some of the big things really have a lot of other challenges associated with them. And, and I don't think anybody knows what they all are yet. And I, this is the third time I've been in a state that's gone through comprehensive tax reform as an economist. Our guests in the room today is our good friend Michael Hicks, uh, economist at Ball State University, just sort of talking about some of the uh, fiscal uh, challenges and the healthcare challenges facing the state of Indiana. Uh, Mike, uh, has any state gotten rid of their income tax, and did they have to raise their taxes somewhere else to replace the revenue? Well, I mean, the big example is Kansas made just huge overall tax cuts, not just in income tax, but in other areas. Uh, it caused their economy to slow dramatically. Remember, public sector buys goods and services, and the services they provide are beneficiary to the productivity of that state, just, you know, road schooling, things like that. Um, and that was a very big shock. I, I don't think that's quite what we face here. I mean, the, from what I have heard, and of course, these are just this is very early in the process where people are asking questions, and I, I appreciate that. But at this point, uh, there, there hasn't been a state that's eliminated their income tax in decades. Um, you know, income taxes have been around nationally since 1913. And so there are philosophical arguments or political economy arguments about eliminating an income tax. But uh, the, the, 
one of the challenges is our state tax system is already very regressive. So we're taxing a higher share of lower income people. If you get rid of the income tax, which is, even though it's a flat tax because of the AGI calculations is modestly progressive, you immediately turn us into a very regressive tax. And, And those are, that's one of the problems. There's other problems. The stability of the tax system is in doubt. You go from income to sales tax, you introduce a lot more volatility. And, and you know this well, you're a, you're a practicing lawyer. Once you start taxing services, you're going to get lawyers screaming like crazy. And you can, that, that is especially loud in the state house. <laughs> yes, my friend, it is. Uh, I know one of the, one of the big arguments uh, for eliminating the income tax, it would make uh, Indiana much more consumer-friendly uh, type state and more people would come here, to, would, would move to Indiana because it has no income tax. Any any data or anything to back that claim up? No, um, yeah, there's a lot of data that rejects that claim. I haven't seen any that backs it up. Just within Indiana, it's worth noting that all the population growth is is occurring in the high-tax counties. And that's true in every state. Every state in the union, people, our population is moving to higher tax places. And it's not because you like taxes. I mean, I don't know anybody that likes taxes. And it, it really is a consequence of better public services that people do like. So people really do like good schools and good roads and neighborhood parks and safety. Those things are of extraordinary value. So you, if you look nationally at the, at the – if you look at the state level, it doesn't tell you anything. You have to look at the county level. If you look at the county level, all the population flows are to higher tax places. And, that, again, that sounds counterintuitive until you recognize the vast differences between school quality, public safety quality, quality of roads, quality of parks that are really influencing household location decisions, and then, in turn, affecting business location decisions, because businesses are going to high-tax places as well, because that's where the workforce and consumers are. As I joke with the old friend, and tell me if I'm wrong here, it's like the difference between ordering food at Hyde Park State House versus Joe's Chicken Shack. Right. I mean, uh, I to some degree, the tax-only argument strikes me as extraordinarily naive and treating businesses and households as village idiots. I mean, the idea that the, most of our location decisions, either as a business or a household, are amongst the biggest investment decisions of our lives. And so the idea that households or businesses are simply seeking higher, lower tax rates treats them as children. Children don't behave in that way. Children are able to make trade-offs and understand that something that they value more, they're willing to pay more for. So I think when you're trying to, when you're looking at where people are moving or where businesses are going, it's very naive to suppose that that's primarily driven by the price alone when none of us in our active lives are, are behave that way. We look at value. What's the What's the price we're willing to pay for the item that we want? And so considering businesses and households as consumers who look only at price and not at value, I think always is going to give bad answers to public policy questions surrounding taxes and the provision of public services. All right. Well, we've covered a lot of ground in healthcare policy and tax policy. Our guest on the program today has been our good friend, Michael Hicks, Ball State University economist. Michael, my friend, always good to chat with you, sir. Thanks for taking the time. Have a have a good week. 
This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.